Here's a message from Ken Lavica. Okay, yeah, the Heat are bad. They're done. Put up the white flag. They're absolutely terrible. But here is the bright spot. At least nobody had to be banned for life from the American Airlines Arena after last night. Coquel hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Program. No, no, no. Stick around. Hang out with us. Cool. Yeah, we'll stay and hang around with you. It's Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. I'm going to take my beating at some point, I promise. I'm going to take my Heat fan beating like a man, like a champ, because I've earned it and I deserve it. But we need to talk about human beings who spit on other human beings and human beings who throw popcorn on other human beings. Did you say human beings? Human beings. Beings. B-E-I-N-G-S. Beings. Ings. Human beings. beings. Yeah, it's not like you were saying human beings, which I thought was the word until like three years ago. <laughs> That's cool. I was hoping you'd actually flip it back to where I was right. We are headed into a three-day weekend. I am Ken Levicka. I'm the name on the show. He's Coquel. He's the name on the featuring. It is Ken LeBicca Live <laughs> featuring Coquel. He's the name that was shoehorned on the show. <laughs> we are coming to you from the Anna John Levine Accident Attorney Studios. Downtown West Palm Beach, Phillips Point Towers, right off a sparkling, warm, intracoastal. Ken, look out. A tumbleweed just almost hit you. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, this office is empty. Want to know what I did because I knew, I knew it was going to be empty in here? I'm wearing shorts, baby. It's Memorial Day Shorts Friday. You want to know why? Because I can. Say something about it, someone. I dare you. When you're not in the office, it's time to wear shorts. <laughs> when you're not here, I'm going to be tough. Say something Who's about something? it. Me? I wear shorts when everyone's yep. here. Well, that's a good lead-in because I am being a phony tough guy by clearly violating the uh, dress code here at ESPN Wait, we West Palm. There is a dress code. What, what's the dress code? Uh, business casual. Yeah, you wear shorts a lot. I'm surprised no one said something. And you were in flip flops, you gross, disgusting man. I love flip flops. I know I do too, but I no, don't. No, you just work. said they're gross. So that potential partner that's out there that wanted to talk no, about no, no, flip flops. No, no, no. Ken hates flip flops. Coquel loves flip flops. So all you flippity floppity companies, come get some Coquel. Flip flops are gross. Coquel's feet are. Um, <laughs> uh, I am being, I am being a fake tough guy uh, by having nobody in Fugazi. the office, and then yeah, and and wearing shorts, and then uh, yelling, do something about it. But also being a fake tough guy. Uh, that's for people that spit. On other people, or people that throw food or drink on other people. Uh, so the the Knicks fan who spit on Trey Young, game two of their uh, first round playoff series, the Knicks went on to win the game two championship. Uh, <laughs> he has been banned for life from Madison Square Garden. The Knicks announced it yesterday in Philadelphia. The fan who decided it was going to be a good idea to dump a full bucket of popcorn on an injured, hobbled Russell Westbrook as he went into the tunnel. The 76ers announced that he has been banned for life from uh, uh, from Philly from attending any 76ers games. The Utah Jazz, after 
racial slurs or racial comments were thrown at John Morant's family uh, during game two of that Jazz Grizzlies series. The Jazz are handling that, and those fans won't be allowed to to be uh, present at Jazz games any longer. Those are all examples of really honestly like fake, tough behavior. But they're also examples of, all right, this happened, we're throwing hands behavior. But the, the, the singular thing that uh, what I've seen on social media and talking to people, they keep going back to, is that spitting on someone is like the apex flashpoint for I've been disrespected and this is going to go down. Like That's the number one trigger for, all right, we're fighting. It doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. It doesn't matter uh, matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter how big you are, how small you are, how physically capable you are, or physically incapable you are. If you get spit on, that's the universal code for, hey, you better be ready because hands are coming your way. But I'm wondering if there is anything that even exceeds being spit on or anything that is at least in the neighborhood, in the universe of being spit on. This is a, a true conversation today on a Friday, going into, going into a three-day weekend. Lollipop Friday. This is a, a true discussion about what causes you to finally lose it to a point where that's it. It's on. Because I'm curious, and I'm not condoning violence, but we have all been there, right? Like, Coquel, you've been there. I've been there. I scrapped a few times. Yeah, and uh, I am. I, I'm a bad fighter. I'm a bad I'm fighter. A good fighter. I, uh, well, you've got. I mean, you've got good, and I'm not being disrespectful about this. You've got good size. Like I'm sure you do, and you but can e- hang in there. Even skinny, I was okay. I think it's just because my head is so big, and I don't feel the punches. <laughs> You're like Homer from <laughs> The Simpsons. Yeah, <laughs> kind of what it was like. Like I, I'm not saying I won the fight, yeah. but I, I was like, all right, that worked out for me because I didn't feel. How's your hand feel? <laughs> but in our life experiences, guy, girl. Big, small, tough, not small. Um, uh, you know what? What is the what causes you to throw hands most? Maybe point the thing that causes you to throw hands most. Maybe it is someone disrespecting your significant other. But what's in that neighborhood of being spit on? Like what happened to Trey Young, Game Two at Madison Square Garden. What's something that happens where you say, "All right, we're fighting." 888 or tweeted us at ESPN West Palm. And I'm going to give you an example of something that it got to me. It finally, uh, it wore me down in high school. Uh, I had big ears. I mean, big ass ears in high school. It took me a long time to actually grow in to my ears and there was a kid who would flick them every single time I walked by. And the first couple of times it happens, you just say, all right, like fine, whatever, like that hurt, but you deal with it. It's like when someone gives you a, uh, I don't think I can say what the actual slang word for it is, a nipple twister. Um, uh, like that, like, let's go with nipple twister. Yeah, let's go with nipple twister. Like that sucks, but whatever, like it's just part of, it's just a thing, Okay. But getting my ear flicked over and now over I like and over those. again. <laughs> yeah, once you become an adult, you realize your tastes have been refined. Um, but the ear thing drove me insane to a point 
where I was walking down the hallway my junior year of high school with a girl that I had been working on for a long time. And finally, it felt like there was progress and maybe just maybe it was going to turn into something. And the same guy came up while I'm walking with this girl down the hallway and flicked my ear. Mm. And you know when you there's that anger? And you start to see red and you feel the heat in your face and you start to like lose control. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what happened. And before I even knew what I was doing, right hook. Like I, yeah. To the jaw? uh, To the jaw. And I caught him and I think it surprised him. And he ended up, before we got broken up, he got the better of it. Like how long did he beat you up for after that? It was like. 10 seconds after that <laughs> but the fact that that triggered me to to go after him like that was one that's uncharacteristic for me because I'm not dumb I'm not just gonna fight for the sake of fighting but the anger I felt my my senses completely dulled and it was like this is happening right now so that was it ear flick makes you scrap right away well that it was a consistent it it, it grew to a flashpoint yeah but there's got to be something that made you go right away because that was like all right this kid keeps picking on me and there's a girl well, that the, I- what i think it was the, the girl being involved that is what finally like that's what sent it over the top that was the one instance all right that's it so the embarrassing me in front of my lady friend is kind of the mm-hmm. flashpoint then for yeah, you. Yeah, I think so. And maybe that makes me insecure, but that also, I mean, it pissed me off. I uh, that that feeling that scene red when like you just know after that this is happening and I'm not going to be able to control myself. How did you feel after you got beat up by the guy? I actually, to be honest, I felt okay because I, for the first time in my life, just sort of like stood up for something physically. Good for you, yeah. Ken. Good for yeah. you. I bet you you made the rookie mistake, though, of punching and then waiting for the reaction. Yeah, Because oh, when sure. you punch someone, you have to you follow. Have to keep you, going. Yeah, right. don't stop. Because no, when you right. stop, then you're in trouble. <laughs> Actually, keep what am I, going. What am I football? I teach my, my nine-year-old all the time. Just keep punching the kids. What am oh. I? <laughs> that is great fatherly advice. Explains a lot. What am I? Uh, and this also coming from a, a guy who was a teacher in a former life as well and a coach. Cool. Um, but... One of my football player friends was like, "Yeah, bro." He said the exact thing you did. Like, bro, you got to keep going. If you're gonna, if you're gonna initiate it, you got to get going. You gotta, you gotta take care of business after that. Eight 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 seven six zero three seven seven six. What based on on Trey Young being spit on, which is despicable. That is from from everything that I've read and everything everyone's told me since it happened. Like, that's the universal. We're going. This is happening. We're throwing hands. Is there anything worse than being spit on? And what's in the neighborhood of being spit on? What is something that happens where you say it's on? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Tweeted the show at ESPN West Palm. Let's start in J- with Jerry in West Palm. Jerry, you're on Ken Levick Alive. What's up, Jerry? Hey, how are you guys? Good, good, good. So what? what is it that just, it happens and you start seeing red, that flush feeling in your face, and you know that it's time to square up? Oh, man. Um, well, I have the answer, but first I want to say I love you guys. Show You guys are great. Sure, appreciate um, you, bud. But, <laughs> yes, sir. But what happens is um, when, when, when you key a man's car, Oh, you don't man. you don't touch a man's vehicle. Oh, no. and, and that's instant oh, for me. Geez, yeah, for sure. The only problem with the keying of the car is I feel like that's the rat move when no one's around. You're not actually going to walk up and key the car. Yeah, in front of I guess Jerry, it is. Yeah, but if you do, in the rare if instance you, you know out, who oh. it is, or you have like a security camera, yeah, then uh, that, that's 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 despicable. Like Jerry, that's a truly despicable move. That's up there with spitting, man. I can't think of anything else, really. Yeah, touching a guy's, you know I mean? touching someone's car, messing with someone's car. 
causing damage to Jerry, someone's Jerry's car. Jerry's right. My son scratched my car the other day, and it was <laughs> it was hands time. Did he? Did He's he? Four, he won. Did, did, he did punched he me right in the junk. <laughs> he did. He did do it on purpose. See, that's where the height disadvantage <laughs> comes in handy. And he's got the big head like me too, so that's a weapon for him as well. <laughs> did um, it, he didn't do it on purpose? No, but he opened my wife's car. I was like, eh, and he like kept doing it. Now there's a big scratch. Like, oh, you're so cute. <laughs> oh, but I love you. And then groin kick. Yeah. Uh, oh, he punches. He punches to the groin. That would be. Im- Really impressive if it was a groin kick. Kelly in Palm Beach Gardens. Kelly, you're on ESPN 106.3. What do you got, Kelly? Hey, what's up, fellas? How you doing? Good, man. So, so Ken, did that really happen? Yeah, it happened because did, I... No, I mean, I mean did, you, did you really grow into your ear? <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, yes. Kelly, I'm right. just no, I'm just I Kelly, I try, but as bad as it is now, Kelly, and, I'm, and it's honestly, it used to be like Andrew Siciliano bad. If you can get a feel for uh, Andrew Siciliano from Red Zone, uh, like that's that was me in high school, Kelly. Like I'm telling you, it was profound, profound ear biggage uh, when I was in high school. But yeah, I have to agree with you guys. The spitting. You know, that's hands down, number one. I do know some people, though, that um, that one of the things I used to do in high school, just like to my friends as a joke, is you do a little pop to the back of the head, and yeah. that really sets some people off. Yeah, because yeah, it hurts. Like, it, it definitely does. And if you catch someone who's not in the right mood, if you catch someone and you don't know if they're having or a bad day. Or even that neck thing when you smack in the back of yeah. the neck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, it, like Kelly, a lot of it too, and I think that for me with the ear flick, what finally set it off was the girl in the equation and the fact that already I was like on edge about it. And there's just, if you catch somebody in the wrong mood, even if with someone that you think is your boy, like that's going to, that's going to happen. Like that is going to be a flashpoint. But spitting is downright, like that's the most disrespectful and appreciate the call, Kelly. Like, there is a disrespect level that comes with, like Jerry was saying, key in a car. I wonder if culturally if there's, different, if there's different things that are flashpoints that set you off. I guess, but man, like the spitting thing, I feel like across any culture, that's going to... Unify America? Because it's, like it's almost like a, I can't believe that just happened into a, I can't let this person walk over me. But pouring food or drink on someone, like what happened to Russell Westbrook, that's up there. That's definitely up there. And you know what's weird? We're talking about this and throwing food and drink. Have you seen the stories about Casey Anthony here in West Palm getting drinks thrown on her at various bars? No. Like to the point where police had to get involved at O'Shea's a, a couple of days ago on Clematis? Like, how about that? And I'm not saying that I... I uh, it's about time police got involved. <laughs> not saying that I'm actually admonishing that, but I'm saying that it definitely fits into this. But getting spit on... Uh, what is, is there anything worse than that? Is there anything in the neighborhood of that? That when it happens, you say, we're fighting. 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776. Coach Kalu on Twitter says, touching my bald head. I'm glad you threw the D in there. You started that going. You're like, touching my bald head. You really had a weird (laughs) delay there that I didn't Uh like. And I don't think the fake Coach K would like that either. Well, actually, uh, in college, I had a buddy who just ran. Some random came up to him. We were at a festival, a music festival mm-hmm. in college, and some random came up to him and flicked him in the what you thought I was going to say a Ooh, package flick? flick. That's not good. No, and so they brawled. They, they and he fought off the pain, and it was immediately. First of all, in how do you brawl. fight at a music festival? Because I'm assuming if you're at a musical festival, you're on ecstasy or some kind no, of crazy. It was. It was. Was a, it like a. 
No, it was alternative music. Oh, it was angry grunge. Yeah, it was yeah. something. That's my it, kind of music. But I it think was, that's why a lot of fights happen. Yeah, but it was also like a lower. It's not like this was a mainstream festival. This was like a random field in Northwest Indiana. <laughs> so as you can imagine, there were uh, quite a, a number of interesting characters that were all looking to fight. And so that's definitely one of them. But if you were ever, um, and this is a, I was, if anybody has heard me talk about this, when I back when I was in high school, I definitely was part of the Chicago like music scene. I was big into that, going to pop punk shows. High school these, band isn't the music scene. No, I was I was definitely into the 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 punk era in Chicago, going to all the shows, trying to meet bands, all the merch, all that stuff. Um, but when you would get into mosh pits, and for anybody that does not know rock, you may not know this or been to to especially metal shows. Like those are protected spaces in mosh pits. Mm-hmm. Like you, you're going to get banged around, but as soon as someone starts getting a little crazy in there, and or if they the wrong start, person gets knocked down, uh-huh. they'll go pick them up and surround them and protect them. But if them. you knock someone down and you don't pick them up, and you're doing this consistently, that is music fan code for. It's on. Someone's going to jump that person. And then it's a real, real big Which deal. Which is crazy because it looks unruly in the mosh pit. People are throwing punches. There's like, literally throwing punches to each yeah, other's faces. There's like but Tony then, La Russa unwritten rules. There is definitely um, unwritten rules mosh in the mosh pit. For sure. Absolutely. And I relied on those because I was small as hell. So I needed I needed that protection. I that. saw a corn in New York City, and I can't think of the famous New York City amphitheater that I saw him at. Um, Whatever. But I, does I purposely made sure I was in the upper deck and not on the pit because I was like, all right, I don't need to see corn in the pit and get beat up and get yeah. into a fight. I just didn't want to deal with all that. Uh, Captain Murica tweets, I don't think that it gets any more demeaning than thinking so low of someone that you would possibly comprehend spitting on another being. So, yes, it's going down. What about the slap to the face? An open hand slap to the face is absolutely in that neighborhood. I don't need any sort of support to tell me that if you get open hand slapped in the face, I it is more respectful to just take a a face to face punch to the jaw than it is to get slapped open hand. Like if you are looking to send a message like I'm better than you, I think nothing of you, you don't knock them out. You slap him in the face. Yeah. Oh no. That's a, It's basically saying, "Here I am. Do something." Yeah. Or someone do pun- something. I mean, someone punching you from behind is just as disrespectful, though, as getting spit in the face. I think. But that's more of I'm a punk. I'm going to punch you from behind. The slap yeah. in the face is, I. You see me. Yeah. I'm slapping you in the face, and you're not going to do but anything. Sucker punch from behind definitely deserves a beating, and that's where other people jump in, and uh, you can't really fault that and yet i want to i want to make clear before someone says i'm calling the fcc like we're not advocating violence we're not advocating violence here we're not saying this needs to happen but we're talking about personal experiences here there is a code of conduct that needs to be followed spitting is so out of line so disrespectful and uh, this guy at madison square garden went all fake tough guy and spit on trey young if trey young would have reacted to it um, uh, what's unfair about it is that if Trey Young reacted to it, the NBA would have suspended him. God knows how many games, but also there is a rational part of our brain, a rational part of our mind that says, you know what? That's okay. That's okay. We understand what Trey Young did if he reacted to being spit on. Uh, and I bet that he would probably win an appeal to get suspension reduced because it's human decency to not get spit on, to not spit on someone, so you understand the immediate reaction, the losing control of, here comes my fist now. What are the flashpoints for a fight? Getting spit on, 
Is that tops? Is there something in that neighborhood? Great call by Coquel. Open hand slap? Hell yeah. Getting sucker punched from behind? Yes, absolutely. Keen someone's car? Yeah, that's up there if you find out who it was. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Or tweet at us at ESPN West Palm. Let's go to Royal Palm. That's where we find John. What's up, John? Hey, Kenny. It's John Keller. Um, hey, bud. Uh, one thing that uh, jumped out to me was it was uh, I was I formerly worked at the station, and when I was 17 years old, I was uh, interning uh, dutifully, and we were going to a high school football game. Uh-huh. You, me, and Jason Pugh, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, Jason Pugh uh, told a 17 year old girl there were cones blocking blocking the car, and she told the girl she goes, "Hey, can you move those cones?" And the look of disgust on her face, if she was in a position to, to, to beat up Jason Pugh, I, I just, she could not believe the audacity that this person would tell her to move cones when she's like out on a Friday night, so, you know, a 17-year-old having a good time. So, John, what I would say to that is uh, there are some who look at diva behavior. And that's, I mean, that's not diva behavior, but perceived diva behavior, a potential flashpoint to, to, to throw hands. Right, exactly. And so I was, I, you know, I thought, man, she was about to throw hands at him. And then, you know, of course, I dutifully got out of the car and moved the cone. And I was like, oh, we're, 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 all, we're all good. And, and, and knowing John for as long yeah. as I have, that is the, the true John Keller diffusing the situation. John, you've traveled the world a lot, right? You've been around? That I have. I lived in Ethiopia, lived in Uganda, California. Culturally, are there different things that set people off that are a little bit different than here? Oh, absolutely. I mean, wh- one thing in Ethiopia that I can think of, you know, uh, of starting a fight was, <laughs> was I, I tried to uh, get pickpocketed um, in Ethiopia. And I grabbed the, the, grabbed the guy's hand and I, I shouted, hey, look, here, here, here's a thief, right? Yeah. And uh, immediately everything was, everyone grabbed this person and took him to the police. And they said, okay, you know, obviously, obviously here's a thief. But then I said some, uh, some bad words about his mother. And everybody turned on me um, because, you know, that's just not <laughs> oh, anything oh. that you would ever do. Oh. So, so, so everyone, which, you know, I was, you know, it, kind of how Kenny got his ears flicked. I was very angry that somebody tried to steal my wallet. Yeah. And so um, everyone all of a sudden, like, turned on me. So the thief was, like, you know, vindicated because I'm just this <laughs> You turned foreigner, heel. So. You turned heel in that right. spot. Yeah. Right. And I, and I was like. Let's get out of this situation now. Yeah, yeah. It, so it, I said, it, all right, sounds good. <laughs> I'm out. See ya. Uh, John, appreciate the call. Good to hear from you. Yeah, talking about someone's mother, I would be willing to bet that for some, talking about someone's mom, especially considering the circumstance, and maybe that's a little uh, lesser of a trigger, to me, I'd probably be able to uh, brush that off to an extent, but there are some where they say, no, uh-uh, you said it. Let's go. I mean, I know for a fact there are some words for some people that absolutely said You also don't know people's history. Like, my dad Mm -hmm. died before I was born, so when I was young, if someone said something about, like, your dad, I'd flip out even though I didn't meet him. And as I got older, I was like, what am I really even angry about? Like, you know what I mean? Like, they don't know any better. But that's why I try to teach kids in class when they would say mom jokes and different jokes. You don't know the situation behind the parent. Yeah. You know, the situation in the family. That's why you got to kind of watch those. Because if the wrong thing is going on in the house... That could set someone off. At Mopey Face says, someone steps on my new shoes. We're fighting. Oh, stop it, Mopey Face. <laughs> uh, let's head back to the phones. Let's go to Lake Worth. That's where Jason is. Hey, Jason. Hey, man. How you guys doing? Love your show. Thank you. Um, like you were talking about with your ear getting flicked in school and stuff. Yep. You know, in, in our school, we had the thing where the guy come up and kick you from behind. 
Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know besides, what you're talking Besides about. the spit, that's number one, but getting kicked. It just reminds me of a dog. You know, you just, people kick dogs. Yeah, just, keep your feet off. You're right. It is like you're beneath me, and so this is what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I think that is extremely disrespectful. That's a good call. You know what drove me crazy? Also, kicking dogs would make me want to fight someone. Yeah, sure. <laughs> like that's sure. Gonna, that's going to have me go off, too. Yeah, uh, abusing animals? Absolutely. Um, uh, uh, Speaking of high school hallways, because high school hallways, there's a lot of ways to mess with someone to a point where, all right, we're gonna we're going to fight. When, when people would walk down the hallway and take their backpacks and swing it into you while it's on their back and they'll swing around and deck you. So if you're carrying books, your books go down. Or you're by the lockers, you fly into the lockers. That sucks. Ken, you got a lot of experience getting bullied, huh? Because <laughs> I think no. you would have liked me in high school because I'm, I'm I was skinny then. So I'm like a smaller dude, but I have broad shoulders even when I was skinny. But yeah. my family was a bunch of tough guys. Mm-hmm. Like for... For generations in our small town of Northport, the Coquels were like nuts. Commercial fishermen clamming. They'd start working at like 14, show up to work with like huge forearms and stuff. You know, like those. <laughs> yeah, and sure. here's, here's dopey me raised by mom who kept me away from there. Like like I was a Kennedy keeping away from like I was <laughs> Junior, whatever. Um, JFK Jr. stayed away from the Kennedy family. Right. That was me. Um, what set me off the time is if I saw someone getting picked on, I was in there trying to fight for the kid who got picked on. Like every single time. And I don't know if it was I was that angry or I knew I had the backing of the Coquel last name that, all right, well, they're not going to fight me, so let me get sure. in between. Because once they knew who I was, they wouldn't fight me anyway, but yeah. I was ready to go. But like that would set me off. Anytime someone got picked on, I was ready to fight for the person being picked and on. full honesty, like I wasn't bullied, but here's what happened. I, I had a couple of different groups of friends, but for me, you know how I am. Like I'm very much like a okay, I'll go along with it. And so that always, especially when you're in high school, opens the door to, hey, I can mess with this guy and I know we'll be cool after. Until it's not cool anymore. Until it becomes a problem. Yeah. And that's what that's what happened to me a couple of times. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Here's, here is the, the, the point of all of this, the lesson to all of this. We're about to have a three-day weekend. A lot of you are fully vaccinated. You're going to go out into the world for the first time in a long time. There's going to be some drinks. Maybe you're not as conditioned as you previously were. Keep your saliva to yourself. We're still in a pandemic. And understand the decency, okay? Keep your hands and feet to yourself, too. Keep your hands and feet to yourself, especially Coquel's disgusting feet in the flip-flops right now. All right, I have one bad toe. The other four are nice looking. (laughs) The big toe looks like two toes. I have one bad toe. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. When we return, the Heat are done. This season's about to come to an end. What we've seen from them this time around, does it diminish what the Heat did in the bubble last summer. He's Coquel. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Levicka Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken Levicka. Well, definitely looks like Julio Jones is on the market now. The Falcons are going to trade him, at least if you believe the words that came out of Oh, well, Julio Jones' mouth earlier today. We'll hear it in a second. Ken Levick Alive here on ESPN 106.3, free ESPN app. And don't forget, you can listen every day on your smart speaker. Then we have it for you. 
on the Ken Levick Alive featuring Coquel Podcast, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Ken Levick Alive is presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Dr. Jim Reardon's been doing it for 21 years, and he has been doing it exceptionally with the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Just countless countless success stories of his students those who have gotten an mba in sports business going on to uh, uh, careers in sports to realizing a dream to achieving what they wanted to accomplish and sometimes it's tough there's really no true roadmap into getting your career in the sports industry this is the closest thing to it the fau mba sport management program how do i know because the success is there the proof is there if you want to transition or you want to start your journey on a career in sports go to fau.edu slash mba sport fau.edu slash mba sport sign up for fall semester courses either on campus in boca or remote that's the fau mba sport management program fau.edu slash mba sport so Coquel, uh, I was. This was probably about ten minutes before the show, and I came running in here. I'm like, Coquel, you got to, you got to hear this. Uh, Julio Jones was on Undisputed on FS1 and said that he's out of Atlanta. But I don't even think I told you the full context of it. So this is what happened. Uh, Shannon Sharp on air, national television, FS1, just whipped out his cell phone. Okay, earlier this morning. Don't, don't worry, Ooh. producer Coquel. Cell phone. Okay, cell, cell phone. phone. I know you were waiting on bated breath to see what the what was going what to was follow whipped, whipped out. out. Right, yeah. exactly. Okay. Yes, what, what exactly was whipped out? Correct. Uh, no, it was his cell phone, and he just straight up called Julio Jones. Called Julio Jones to ask him about where he was with the Atlanta Falcons. And this is what transpired. And he asked about the Cowboys, because I think the clip opens up with yeah. about going to the Cowboys. Yeah, you're, so you're, yeah, and th- there was a question about whether or not he wanted to go to the Cowboys, and I think that that was planted by Skip Bayless, uh, noted Cowboys fan, whether it's rational or kind of irrational. But this is Julio Jones on Shannon Sharp's cell phone on Undisputed this morning. we call? Okay, we are right, calling. We're calling. We're calling. Mm. Like, flat out just called him. Holding the cell phone to the mic. Yeah, he's holding the cell phone really to the mic. The answers right. here. Julio, have the guts to pick up the phone. <laughs> What's happening? Yeah. All right. Julio. Hold on, hold on. Let me like he's connecting to his Bluetooth right now. He right. has no He can't hear Skip. There's the Bluetooth. I got you. This is your favorite uncle. What's going on, bro? Man, nothing much. Got to go meet up with my brother. What's happening with you? Man, look. You want to go to the Cowboys, Julio? Or you want to stay in Atlanta? Oh, man, no, I'm out of there, man. You out, out of there? He's out of there. I'm out of Atlanta. Are you going to... Ideally, where would you like to go? Um, right now, I'm just... I want to win. Okay. Yeah. We don't go to Dallas. If you go to... You ain't winning in Dallas, Julio. Uh, you already, you already, man, listen, come on, man. You already know I know. Okay. <laughs> oh, that hurts. Can you remind him we're on television Ask right now? Ask him why we wore the Dallas... Listen, sure. listen. You know how people is, man, with all that going right. on with the, the picture? Yeah. You know, yeah. Stuff like that. Okay. Man, I ain't never been on that. You know what I'm saying? Okay. That's good enough. Yeah. Julio, I'll talk to you later. Thanks for calling me back. We on air, but I appreciate you calling me, dog. You know I know my nephew was going to pick up. <laughs> Oh yeah, nah, nah, yeah. I ain't, I ain't going, I ain't going to Dallas, man. I never thought yeah. about going to Dallas. 
Okay. I appreciate that, bro. Enjoy I ain't going to Dallas. I ain't talking about now that. Now he might not yeah. have any choice. <laughs> so, uh, a couple of things off of that. One, this becomes the biggest story in the NFL. Because you have Julio Jones, who now, I mean, he straight up said, I'm out of Atlanta. That's verbatim. I'm out of Atlanta. So, welcome to the trademark. market. he said, I'm out of there, man. Did he say I'm out of there, man? Uh, I, don't know. I don't know if you're hip enough to I thought to he said I'm out, of, I'm out of Atlanta. Oh, I think he said I'm out of there, man. No, you're right. You're right. He actually, he actually did. I'm looking right now. People who had... Uh, so he said, I'm out, I'm out of there. I'm out of there, man. Yeah. Yep. I'm but, so much hipper than you. But he just, he just said... that. Yeah, I mean, he should have stayed off of Bluetooth. It would have been an awful lot easier to, uh, <laughs> to hear him and understand him without the, uh, the wind well, blowing through his phone. Well, he thought he was just having phone. a call. He so, didn't even know. But that's another part of this. Like Shannon Sharp at the end said, I got to go because I'm live on TV. But that's not when you tell someone when you call them that they are live on the air. It is industry practice, so you don't get sued by the person you call to tell them right away you're on the air and get their permission to be on the air if it is a guest. And I don't know, like Julio Jones, I'm not sure that he knew that he was on live national television. So he went ahead, though, and just volunteered to Shannon Sharp and, oh, yeah, Skip Bayless, and, oh, yeah, uh, you know, the 15 people that watch that show, that he is, he is out of there. He's not coming back to Atlanta. And then also proceeded to take a shot at the Cowboys as well. Julio Jones is available. Should the Dolphins try to get Julio Jones. Should they try and get more help for Tua? They got draft capital, right? They do. But what would you give up for Julio Jones? Because Julio Jones himself on national TV saying, I'm out of there. To me, that says, I don't need to give up a first-round pick for Julio Jones. I might not need to give up. A second round pick Schefter for Julio Jones. was reporting Jones. they were looking for a first rounder. Not anymore. The they were looking- Not anymore. I think I don't think you're going to get him for a third. You're, you're saying you don't have. Sec- you, I think a second is where fine. It I'll falls still in give there. them the benefit of the doubt, but you're no I longer think. getting a first. He said himself, "I'm out of there." He ruins any leverage the Falcons had with him. Should the Dolphins pursue Julio Jones if you had to give up a second round pick for him? To get some help for Tua, go ahead. I know you want to call him what you want to call him. Call Tua what you want to no, call him. No, Tua needs a receiver like that. That's good. If we can ever reach downfield, Ragarm can uh, <laughs> throw it to Julio. Should the Dolphins pursue Julio Jones, who says he's out of there on Undisputed today on a call where I'm not sure he knew he was on national television? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. You can always years old. I thought he was like 36. <laughs> Really I know. Good. He's only 32, I know. which I know is still older for a receiver. He's one of the best in the league. I think you, you have to take a shot. Yep. If you think you can I win would, now. Yeah, I would give up a second for Julio Jones. I would give up a second, and I'm trying to think off the top of my head a player. Or you just go like the two and a five. Yeah, that's fine. Second and a five. I would absolutely do that, though. I would give up draft equity, a second and a five. Yeah, second and a fifth for Julio Jones. I need help for Tua. I need help for Tua. I want to load up the receivers. Yeah, I know I drafted uh, Jalen Waddle, but now you need someone on the outside. And this not only solves that problem, it makes you dangerous it also, on the outside. You know, we always talk about mentorship, and we went through all that with Tebow and Trevor Lawrence, him being around. 
Julio being around Waddle would not be a bad thing either. Hell, you know what I mean. No. Give him someone to look instead of all the pressure on him. Totally. Now he has someone to look up to. Should the Dolphins? Uh, should the Dolphins pursue Julio Jones? What would you give up for him? I say a second and a fifth. Let's go. Let's play ball. Let's talk. Let's chat. Because now though. The Falcons can't get a first for Julio Jones. That's not happening. And then they're not going to trade him. This trade, it, when he does get traded, it's not going to happen until after June 1st. Right. Our own Mike Tannenbaum uh, commented on a Schefter post explaining that after June 1st, the Falcons' dead cap hit is 7.5. Yep. That's not, a, that's not a lot. Well, it's very similar to why we didn't expect Rodgers to be traded until June It's 1. still 15 in 2022, but they would save $15 million this year because right now yep. his cap hit is $23 million. Right. So they would save, and then there's change on either side of the, of the 7 and the 15 to make it 23. Should you pursue, should the Dolphins pursue Julio Jones? 888-760-3776. And again, just in general, what would you give up for 32-year-old Julio Jones who just said that he's, he's out of there, he's leaving Atlanta? I mean, there's a lot of the teams that have to win. I would give up, it's weird. Because if I'm the Dolphins, I'm not giving up a number one. And no. that's because I don't think they're in a true, they're in a win-now mode, they're not a Julio, it's going to put us over the edge mode necessarily. If things go their way, he could put them over the edge yeah. to win a Super Bowl. But I'll go back to, if I'm Baltimore or a team like that, and I'm going all in on Lamar, and I'm going all in right now, I'd give up, you a, give up a first for Julio? Yes. You give him that receiver. You drafted him a receiver as well. Hmm. Now you have Brown, you have the receiver they drafted, and you have Julio, and you have your tight ends back healthy. You have no excuses at that point. So two different questions out of this. Uh, the Dolphins, uh, should they pursue Julio Jones? I say unequivocally, hell yes. Um, I would give up a second and fifth. But what, just from a pure, broad standpoint, what are you giving up for Julio Jones? Would you give up a one for Julio Jones, even though the Falcons have significantly less less um, uh, in terms of, of what they are able to do in negotiation now because he's jumping on undisputed without him probably knowing and saying, yeah, I'm out of there. But you say the Ravens, hell yeah, you'd give up a one. Oh, for sure, if you're going to win now. Plus, maybe he did know he was on air but knew it was undisputed and no one was watching. <laughs> Oh, man. This, this is the reason, though, we have to steal Tannenbaum from Evan Cohen because now tomorrow, 545 on the Evan Cohen Show right here on ESPN 106.3. That's must listen to find out it what sure he thinks is. about this. Absolutely. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. At ESPN West Palm on Twitter. Hit us up about Julio Jones and also a must listen. Just give me a couple of moments of your time because I need to tell you about Greenway Kia of West Palm Beach. It's where I got my beautiful blue Kia K5 GT that was complimented by the valets at Boca Resort last week. That has never happened to me in my life, but I love that car. I love the color. I love the power. I also love the Pirelli tires, but I love the fact, too, that it's safe and fuel efficient and gets my kids where they need to go. I can truck them all around South Florida and do it in style. And they're taking care of you at Greenway Kia of West Palm Beach with their payments on us sale, also their credit clinic. They are bringing local bank representatives on site to help you, if you have credit issues, put you in a Kia at Greenway Kia of West Palm Beach. You cannot go wrong with that. Greenway Kia of West Palm Beach. Make sure to go to GreenwayKiaWestPalmBeach.com. That's GreenwayKiaWestPalmBeach.com and get a beautiful new Kia like I did at Greenway Kia of West Palm Beach. Hey, Bam Adebayo, wake up. Hey, Knicks fans, how'd that go for you yesterday? We're talking NBA playoffs when we return. East Coquel, I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. It's Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 106.3. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Program. Here's Ken and Coquel. My life be like, wow. yeah. 
be like What did Kyrie Irving insinuate about Celtics fans? It was a little, a little uncomfortable. Boston fans, eh? Ken LeVick Alive with Coquel. Ken LeVick Alive featuring Coquel. The podcast is right there for you at the conclusion of every day's show, wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple or Spotify or anything, or you could just subscribe and get it right to your phone. Make it easy for yourself. Ken LeVick Alive featuring Coquel podcast every single day. Here on ESPN 106.3. Joe Rigotti sitting in with us today, uh, as he does on a Wednesday. We thank him for uh, doing excellent work producing this show. Uh, and so Kyrie Irving, as we get prepared, Coquel, uh, for <laughs> a, a return to Boston that Celtics fans, I think, have been salivating over and one that Kyrie has not necessarily been looking forward to, well, it's going to happen. And the Brooklyn Nets are up two games to none in their series against the Celtics. It has not really been all that competitive. Uh, the Nets are the clearly superior team. Um, Kyrie was asked about him going back to TD Garden for the very first time later this week for Game 3 and was asked about the type of reaction he felt he was going to get. And this is what Kyrie Irving had to say. I mean, it's not my first time being an opponent in, in Boston. You know, I'm just looking forward to competing with my teammates. And, um, you know, hopefully we can just keep it strictly basketball. You know, there's no belligerence or any racism going on, subtle racism and people yelling from the crowd. Is it something you've experienced in Boston before? I'm not the only one that could attest to this, but it's just, you know, it it won't. It it is what it is. Uh, that the, the R word comes out of nowhere. Uh, people being belligerent and uh, the racism. It was so casually thrown in there that it, it, when Kyrie says, like, I'm not the only one who can vouch for this, like, it almost seems like the way he says it, it's a known thing. Like, hey, you're going to go to Boston. There's going to be some racism. That was, that was a really stark revelation a call out a hey boston fans celtics fans this is this is you that was bold coquel that was incredibly bold on kyrie irving's part and the disturbing part is, is how casual it came out how it was just part of his conversation like oh yeah and, and the racism you all know it's there and then the, they'll laugh at the end because that's it's a defense mechanism to laugh at, at that how how it is in Boston and how they all know and everyone knows how it is in Boston to, for uh, well, with the fan base and I think there is there is, there is a perception there there absolutely is a perception and I'm not a huge perception is reality uh, like that's the the I absolute am. I I'm not I'm not and I actually don't like the perception is reality thing but I do. There is an overwhelming reputation that Boston has received, especially from a sports standpoint, that racism is pretty prevalent. Those Kyrie quotes, I mean, that's the first time that I can remember, like in season, in just a random sit-down interview, someone flat out saying, like, oh yeah, the, uh, the racism, leave that at home. Like, he played there, and he's calling it out. And it's not... I mean, we've seen it called out before. Adam Jones of the Orioles called it out where he said that a fan threw a bag of peanuts at him and called him the N-word a handful of times. Thanks. That's pretty awesome. Um, like, so, but that's after the fact. Kyrie's saying before. 
That's what it makes this, is that he knows it's going to happen. Right. It's not like, oh, my God, this just happened. It's, I know I'm going to Boston, and this is what happens when we go to Boston. I'm I'm not going to uh, – like, I, I – I don't want to sit here and flamethrow uh, Boston fans, okay? I actually want it because I know that they're, Coquelli, you know as well. And we talk to them almost every day. There are a lot of New Englanders, a lot of Boston fans, a lot of Celtics fans that listen to this station, listen to this show. I just, what I want to get is I want to get a perspective from Boston fans. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Is this... A, a reputation that you feel is that you feel is accurate. Is this a a reputation that you feel is it, what Kyrie Irving is saying accurate? Does it happen? Um, and what? Why is this a thing still? Like what? What is I mean, the the Boston if, fan reaction to this? Because that's a call out, Coquel. That's a legit call out. A legit. Hey, I'm telling the world, and I'm throwing racist on it, and these are Celtics fans, and I'm not the only one who says it. Like, what is the reaction from Boston fans to that? Because that is a, a big-time, severe call-out. 888-760-3776. Here's the thing, though. It's staggering to us as two white guys sitting here that he just called it out so casually. But I, being in a mixed marriage, I'm going to go to that. My wife is black. I am white. When we see the casual racism that just goes on every day, I get floored by it, and she's like, what? Like, this is my everyday life. Like, it's no big deal. It is just a casual, this is what happens when I go to the store. And I'm like, Wait, what? Why, why are people staring at us? Why are people doing this? Why is that security guard following you and Dylan around my son? Mm. Like, those are things that I'm floored by. And she's like, no, this is a life in America. So, so for him to call out Boston's fans, a place that's known as being racist, that again, Adam Jones said, called out for being racist. We've heard other athletes back Adam Jones up. I'm not that shocked that he did it, and I'm, To get rid of the perception, if Boston fans want to get rid of it, they need to start calling it out. The Boston fans. If America wants to get rid of it, it's not on black people to keep calling it out. It's on American white people and other people to start calling it out. That's That's when those perceptions will go away is when the majority becomes, I'm not just going to not say the racist things. I'm going to stand up against the racist things. So it obviously is, I mean, it's a bad reputation for a fan base. Boston fans have a reputation. There is a a racist reputation. Kyrie Irving just flat out called it out. Um, uh, Is there a fan base like that, though, just in a similar vein that carries that type of poor reputation? And uh, I know we're bagging on Boston a little bit here, but are there any fan bases that compare to that from that standpoint? 888-760-3776-888-760-3776. And again, Boston fans, New Englanders, how uh, how do you react to Kyrie Irving flat out calling you out? And Coquel, I'll ask you, does it help if Kyrie or some of the players uh, that have experienced this call out the exact instances, the details to to help further um, uh, it, it expose what takes place? This is why I think it, it doesn't help. I think it's good, and I think it should be done. This is why I don't think it'll get the result that should happen, though. It's more of a word way I want to word it. Look at everything that happened over this past couple years in America and how many times did being white guys did you talk to other white people who were like oh I just wish it wasn't in our sports oh I wish it just wasn't in on the news all the way I just want to change the channel I need an escape from it because we can get the escape that's the difference so until people don't just ah well I'm just not going to listen to it and I'm going to turn the page then 
change can be made. When you're a person of color, you can't just change the channel. You can't just ignore it because it's at you all the time. There is no escape from it. So with him calling it out, I like that he's doing it, but until people say, I don't, until we stop getting the reaction of, I don't want it in my sports, I don't want it in my news, I don't want it in my TV shows, until we stop getting that reaction and people but, say, I don't want it to be a reality, that's when the problem will be solved. I, I, I think that obviously that is, that is the goal, but when Kyrie comes back and says, it is what it is, and cuts off the conversation there, that's not helpful. Why? Because what is he supposed to say? I mean, if, if it is indeed casual racism, an example of that would, would be uh, welcome. Like what, what exactly is he so talking every, about? So every time he faces racism in every city, he's supposed to talk. No, and you, but I'm not, and you don't I'm think not every saying that. That's these, not what I'm saying. And you don't think sports talk people all over the country are then going to start ripping Kyrie more? But that's not what I'm saying that every time it happens. But a couple of examples, I think, would really help but, to give perspective and context to what Kyrie is talking about as opposed to a... Laughter and it is what it is. You heard him laugh and you heard someone in the distance laugh. I would put money on it that the person in the distance is a person of color laughing because they've experienced it too. I bet you it was another player or just someone else who, who understands the situation. Because what else can he do besides just bring it up and just call out every single time someone says something? Look what happened when Russell Westbrook called it out. What was that, in Utah? Mm-hmm. People started to bash Russ for it. Saying he shouldn't interact with the fans. It's a no-win situation. So he's laughing it off almost to take the power back as if this isn't hurting me. Boston fans, how do you react to the Kyrie Irving racist call-out? And also, what are, what are some of the other bad fan base reputations in sports? 888-760-3776. I just know yesterday from the conversation we were having, and you did it too, uh, oh, Heat fans don't show up until halftime. I tell you what, I'd rather have that reputation uh, being bad fans than I would uh, having a reputation as a racist fan base, right? Uh, if you're going to weigh the two there. Uh, yeah, you'd rather be the I fan that, that doesn't care enough to show up on time like and, Heat fans. And I, I believe, though, that we had someone from New England rip Heat fans for being bad fans. I'd rather them be bad fans than fans where a superstar who used to play for you, a golden child who used to play for you, is saying that you're Racist. Don't you see a lot of clubs in this in football or soccer? Don't you see a lot of clubs that have this reputation? Mm-hmm. Doesn't it affect it there? So what's the thought in that world? Or is it just accepted as it is what it is? Uh, I think that... Uh, I mean, you're into soccer. Yeah. You, you follow, and you're a soccer announcer on ESPN+. Plus. Right. What they do, though, is they punish, they punish clubs. If there is a fan that is heard using a racist slur, they will punish the club, um, take them out of tournaments, empty stadiums for a week, two weeks, three weeks. Like they it in Europe, they had that off immediately. Well, it becomes a, a huge they, they deal. They became a deal. They started to head it off immediately yeah. because it was out of control. Right. It was out of control, but they that was their reaction to it. But here Should they do that here? Yes. They yes they should, but will they absolutely not because you of know, the money issue. Yeah. For sure. And do you understand the backlash there would be if, if Boston said no fans at TD Garden? Not happening. The NBA said not for a week because someone dropped an N-word or said something racist. Uh, do you understand the blow-up on cable news television, on social media, all of the nonsense on social media? It would just further completely tear apart the fabric of what we think is, is the American lifestyle and American discussion on social matters. But would it cause change? Probably not. You don't think so? You don't think fans would stop doing it, knowing that if they get caught doing it, their arena's going to be emptied? We couldn't even get people to wear a mask for a year. 
You think people are going to leave their racial epithets at home because there was a week where they had to clear out an arena? No way. It wasn't- My freedoms, because you know what you'll get? Freedom of speech. Freedom of speech. That's not what freedom, freedom of speech, speech is. is. I, it's exactly, I, I know, I know that's you what we'll yeah. get. I mean, but there wasn't that long ago where that stuff was a little bit more closeted. You know what I mean? It's very much more out in the open now. Well, it, here's the thing with Kyrie, though. He said it, and I wonder if it's going to make a difference. The, the, the racism that he faced, even as a player, or saw other players face, if he is, because he called it out, going to face less of that when he gets to Boston, or if that's going to cause it to be a bit more severe once the Nets go to Boston later this week for games three and four. But either way, like that's the most direct the direct call-out before a potential incident happens that I maybe have ever seen from a pro athlete. But you're right, because it's Kyrie, though, too. Like There's a lot of people that are you know, willing to dismiss Kyrie Irving because, oh, go take another sabbatical. Uh, weird guy, doesn't really care about the game. Uh, oh, he has all these weird thoughts. Flat earther. I guess. Putting sage in the arena. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Will... He's going to get booed anyway going back to Boston. Is it going to be that much worse now because he spoke out against racism? And I think it will be. Well, and, I, and I think it's going to be hidden behind these booing him because he's a former Celtic. I think he's going to get booed that much more for calling out the racism that was in front of him. I just really, like, I want a New Englander. I want a Celtics fan. I want a Boston fan to tell me if they are aware of this reputation of Boston fans. Because obviously Kyrie's saying it's not the first time that I've heard it. I try to be... Uh, a little bit uh, cautious with things like this, but Kyrie Irving said it. Like he sat down with Rachel Nichols and he said it. Are you aware of this reputation? How would you respond to Kyrie Irving? For those of you down here, sports fans, New Englanders, Boston fans in particular, how do you respond to Kyrie Irving throwing out? Yeah, there's racism. Racism in the arena. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. I'm going to be about as shameless as ever as someone who's involved in the programming here. If you want to hear those boos, you can hear them right here on ESPN 106.3. <laughs> Coverage starting at 7.30 Friday night. You hear Pat Lawler every Tuesday here on Ken Levick Alive. Lawler and Associates Personal Injury Attorneys. And when you're injured in an accident, it's pretty overwhelming. There's a lot of questions to be asked and a lot of questions to be answered. And that's where Lawler and Associates Personal Injury Attorneys come in over 28 years of trial experience lawler and associates help their clients get the compensation they deserve period automobile boat or motorcycle accident slip and fall or personal injury lawler and associates they have the expertise the resources and the desire to help call 561-372-3500 or visit lawler and associates at want to lawyer up.com want to lawyer up.com for a free consultation want to lawyer up.com again i'm just more curious and this is one of the things we did it last week coquel well i'm willing to just kind of listen i just want to i want to listen and understand from boston fans because Kyrie, that's a flat out call out are you aware of the racist reputation or the racism reputation that the fan bases up there have and how do you respond to that with Kyrie and him calling it out is it going to make things it has hit has it further inflamed things later this week? Or do you think that the people are going to be more cognizant of that uh, because Kyrie called it out? Let's go to Lillian, Boston. What's up, Lillian? Hey, what's up? Um, I, I'm glad that he basically said it instead of pretending that it's not there. Um, I have to say, Boston fans, we're pretty civil, mm-hmm. okay? We're pretty civil. And like any sports, people will say things sometimes. And, you know, at the heat of the moment, they'll say it. 
as long as it's not a problem when somebody, you know, talks back and says the same level of insults, if you don't mind, you know that the guy that you just insulted with a racial slur calls you uh, white trash, hey, it's all fair game. You know, it has to be approved across the board. As long as they're not cherry picking who can say what. But it's, it's, it's a game. In the sports, people sometimes they'll say things. So, wait, you think because it's a sports game, you can call Kyrie, what, not you personally, fans can call Kyrie whatever they want using racial words no, towards him? No, no, no. I'm just saying during the game, people say things. I, I don't approve the fans, you know, insulting sure, someone sure. using a racial alert. Not at all. And what I'm saying is, as a sports fan, a, you know, a Boston resident, my family, they're a Celtics fan. They like the Red Sox. They like the Patriots. And I have been to those games. And people are pretty civil. Yeah, yeah, and I think, and I appreciate the call, Lily, and I think that it's it's a matter of, <laughs> one, being cognizant of what's being said. That's hard to do in the crowds of people that have been drinking, but also, to me, like, I don't, I don't see the fun in going back and forth with an athlete. Like, I'm not there to trash talk an athlete, and you would think that it's a pretty, like, it should be basic human instinct to know when things have gone to a level where it's and and I want to be clear too, white trash is certainly not the same. Well, that's what I was going to say. Okay. I, was I mean, say, I just want to make sure that there, we're clear on there that. There is right? no equivalent there. No, that's the that's the thing. And even if there was, if there was an equivalent, I don't approve either side. It's just because both are doing it. I'm like, all right, well, yeah. it's fine. And I I this is a reputation, but by a reputation, I I completely understand. We're not talking about all. We're not even talking to close to all. But. It seems like this is something that has happened, and over the years, it is compounded and compounded and compounded, and I don't know if it's accurate or not. That's why I'm listening. That's why I want to get a feel from New Englanders, and I know the the, uh, prepa- uh, the, the the tendency is going to be defend the fan base, but I also, are you aware of it? Are you cognizant of it, and have you seen it? Do you think that Boston fans, maybe more so than any other fan base, uh, need to pay attention to these things because that reputation is there. Do you think Boston fans, your own, are worse than other fan bases? I think it's a legitimate question that I actually am trying to be educated on. And the only reason is Kyrie Irving, major platform, called it out, said the word racism when discussing Boston fans. So I'm trying to learn on this. 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776, tweeted us at ESPN West Palm. When we come back, the cringiest things in sports. And man, if you're in politics, please stop trying to trash talk on a sports level. Stick to politics. And we promise, though, let's just get this because I want to change the tempo a little bit, too. This isn't this is a politician saying something that has nothing to do with politics. The next segment isn't really about politics. Yeah, Can we no, get there? it's not. It's All of this segment, I don't want people to think we're gonna, now we're having a politics. Well, that wasn't thing. about politics. That was about sports as well. I, I get you, but I just want to make sure we're gonna have some fun. But this is the true. This is the true. Stay in your lane. Like, just trust me. When you hear what we're about to play, you're gonna cringe and you're gonna have that weird butterfly in your stomach. And you're gonna say, "Oh, that was awful." East Coquel, I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. It is old man season in sports. As if the pandemic the last year hasn't made things odd enough, old guys are winning championships at every turn. Now, I want to make sure before we really dive into this, I want to give you a little insight, a little context into the show. This isn't actually what 
aired at noon oh. today what? on ESPN <laughs> yes, 106.3, Ken LaVica Live. This is myself and Coquel talking about what we talked about at noon. But because we're a family and we let you into the inside here, we're an open book. Uh, Coquel did, uh, did, did, did not properly record the first 15 minutes of today's well you see what happened there was a malfunction ken oh yeah in my brain where i just it's not that i didn't properly record Uh uh-huh i just didn't record until about (laughs) a quarter of the way into the second segment of the show so uh about that because i wanted it to be special for the live audience oh sure sure and this is like a behind the scenes thing so i was really (laughs) just looking to change the dynamic of what we do on the Ken Levick Alive featuring Coquel podcast. Understandable. Uh, completely understandable. So in Plus I can say dirty words like, no, I'm not. In, in, in typical sloppy, just how did these guys get jobs? How does this show exist fashion? Uh, we're going to uh, we're gonna give you a, a little bit different version of what we did at noon about old guys. And then I'll be recycling takes, and I may even take some of Ken's that he said earlier <laughs> and now present them as my own. Yep, yep, so yep. I'm going to be on now because now I actually know what we're talking about because when we start the show, I really don't know what I'm going to say until I hear you say things. And so like, now oh, you've workshopped like it. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Idea, so yeah, totally. it'll be a better me now. How how do we get on on the air? All right, so. Wait, hold on, Ken. Hold on a second. Let's do this properly. We are a professional, professional audience here. Hold on. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken LaVica Live. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Program. Turn it up! Turn it up! From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, it's Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. Phil Mickelson, age 50, winning the PGA Championship. What a moment. What a absolute memorable piece of history. I still cannot believe that it actually happened. But also, where are the old guys coming from? And thank you for the open, Coquel. Hey, Appreciate no that. It made it feel more more like the show. Ken Levick Alive, ESPN 106.3, downtown West Palm Beach, Phillips Point Studios, Anna John Levine, Accident Attorney Studios. Right off the you know, don't tweet at the show. Yeah, don't tweet at us. Don't call us. We don't want any of your input because, well, this is recorded. He's Coquel. I'm Ken Levicka. Phil Mickelson, what he... Follow me on Twitter. We don't have to follow the normal rules, so I'm going to plug away. Go ahead, plug. Follow me on Twitter, at RealCoachK. I need all of you out there, follow me. I see the numbers of how many people listen, and you're all not following me, judging by the numbers of followers I have. So follow at RealCoachK on Twitter, please. Thank you. You can follow me at KLV1063. Follow at RealCoachK on Twitter, please. Thank you. I don't even care. All right, so... Phil Mickelson winning the PGA Championship is one of the more awesome things we're ever going to see. One, because it's Phil. Two, because of just how bizarre yesterday was with uh, the the conditions and the winds and uh, balls being stuck in the sand and hitting shots off of beaches. It was wild. But what made it even more wild is that a 50-year-old held off the rest of the field. The oldest major champion in golf history. The timeless sport. 
And it's Phil Mickelson who's the oldest major champion in the history of the sport. What Phil did yesterday is one of the single coolest things that I have ever seen in my 36 years of existence and, well, roughly about my 34 years as a sports fan who knew how to feed himself and actually kind of knew what was going on around him. I mean, that was... definitely still pooping in a diaper or two. Yeah, probably. I, I see you having that issue... I see you as a bedwetter till at least nine. Yeah, late bloomer. That's like serial killer stuff there. <laughs> if I you're right, bedwetting though? at age nine, you're like a serial killer. Am I right? No, I was I, not like, wetting like the bed the at age nine. The occasional accident at nine is where I see <laughs> Okay, that. yeah, sure, fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. But again, doing consistently, if your child at age nine is peeing in the bed consistently, you might want to see a psychologist just a heads up. And I know okay? we're talking about Phil, but Phil may be in diapers soon, too. I mean, he's getting up right, there in age. But that's part of the thing. Exactly. A 50-year-old won a major in golf and did it on the the course that had the longest yardage. It was the longest course in the history of major golf. And it's Phil Mickelson who takes down three-time major champion Brooks Kepka, who takes down defending Masters champion Hideki Matsuyama, who's able to beat all of these young guns, multiple-time major runner-up Louis Oosthuizen, and it's Phil Mickelson who comes out on top, and not just through luck, not just through happenstance, but because he played better than everybody else, and he still went for it. He took typical put-your-head-in-your-hands, chew-on-your-fingernails Phil Mickelson risks But he won it. He earned it. He grabbed it. And he not only is the oldest major champion in golf history, he does so by almost two full years. He's weeks away from turning 51. It was amazing. It was incredible. But as if the last calendar year couldn't be any weirder, you have this as an exclamation point, as punctuation to 43-year-old Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl with a new team in a new city, and oh yeah, the Super Bowl MVP started every game, was a major contributor, was the complete um, driving force behind the Buccaneers at 43 years old, and he's a champion. Then there's 36-year-old LeBron James, who's an NBA champion again, defending NBA champion. And Coquel, at 36 years old, when you're talking basketball years, it's like dog years where you add seven years to it. Like LeBron James at 36 basketball years, he's like 44, 45 years old, and he's been in nine of the last 10 NBA finals and is a defending NBA champion. And he's been playing in all those extra AAU tournaments of life. Then he gets to the uh, the NBA and he makes the playoffs every year. Yep. So that's an extra season almost every four years. It's almost an extra full season of games yep. he's playing. We always talk about that with the Yankees. You know, with their pitching staff, when they would go deep into the rotation, they're getting an extra season on there. And then Olympics, his body has to be broken down, which is why he invests so much into his body. What is, in your sports lifetime, the greatest old man sports performances? We've seen three of them in the last seven months. Three of them in the last seven months. Whether it's... LeBron James winning an NBA championship at 36. Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl as quarterback at age 43 with the Buccaneers. Or 50-year-old Phil Mickelson winning a major championship at Kiowa Island. I mean, what about Jack Nicholas 
1986 Masters, 46 years old. Him storming from behind on Sunday. The he, memorable moments at Amen Corner at Augusta. He won three post 40. Yes, yes. I, I mean, George Foreman, and to the caller who called in at noon, who brought this up, and I was ashamed I didn't bring it up. Sorry, I'm stealing this from That's you. Ours now. Yeah, sorry, Ken in West Palm. George Foreman, age 45, beating Michael Moore for the heavyweight championship of the world. That's got to be right up there. But for me, between Tom Brady, age 43 champion, LeBron James, age 36 champion, George Foreman, age 45 heavyweight champion, Jack Nicholas, Masters champion, age 46. What Phil Mickelson did yesterday, Phil Mickelson's at the top. I mean, 50, 50 years old. I'm going to be lucky if... At 50, and I'm 14 years away from this, I'm not going to the bathroom three, four, five times a night able to make it as I wake up with an urgency each night multiple times. Phil Mickelson went to Kiowa. Again, the longest course in major golf history. And not only won the PGA Championship, but he earned it and he fought off everybody else for it. Fought him off. He could have wilted. He lost the lead after one hole yesterday. Came back and immediately retook the lead and then was clearly the best player on the course on the back nine. I mean, it's incredible. It's stunning. And think about this too, Coquel. This is the same Phil Mickelson who at the beginning of his career, young, brash, didn't want to hear about it from anybody else. He knew what to do. He he was the the future. Yeah, he knew all the answers. He was cocky. He had the ego. But he kept getting humbled over and over and over again by Tiger Woods. Kept getting uh, humbled over and over and over again. A guy who we made fun of his weight. We made fun of his man boobs. Well, that was the problem with that, though. Let's, let's, that's on him because he would wear a shirt that was way too tight up top. He like, was you, sausagey. You had a chance yeah. to buy a baggier <laughs> shirt or a different cut shirt. It's, I, I think he tried to accentuate the man but boobs. Think about his transformation. He's become a personality. He's become He's funny. funny. He's become a face of golf. What he does with those head-to-heads with Tiger Woods on national television, pay-per-view. He's become a legit media star. He's headed right to the CBS booth. As soon as this thing comes to an end, whatever his career, which has now been elongated, whatever it becomes. Well, that's what I was going to ask you because you host a golf show um, Saturday mornings. Does this now let him play another five years, at least where we think of him as possibly winning a major each of those years? Because we're going to revert back to this happened. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it at least puts it in people's consciousness. Is I'm it, not sure. I'm not sure he's going to be competitive ever again in a major. I, that might not happen. It, it, it might but not. Why happen. wouldn't he just did it now? That's the thing. But you'll never be able to count him out again because of what happened yesterday at Kiowa Island. We still do it with Tiger. We we absolutely. I, I mean, mean it reset at but, the moment, but you know, yeah, but, but it reset his career clock. Him winning the 2019 Masters reset that career clock. Like when, when Tiger won again after that long not yep. winning a major. So I feel like if Ti- even if Tiger got healthy because he won a major somewhat in our recent future, we'd be like, yep. all right, Tiger's back. You know, maybe he can do it again. And, and and this is, think of the circumstances. A week ago, Phil Mickelson needed a special exemption that he said he wasn't going to take initially, then turned face on that and said, all right, I'll take it, to play at one final U.S. Open. 
an exemption to play a one final U.S. Open because it's basically Torrey Pines' home course. And this was going to be a farewell. A farewell to major golf for Phil Mickelson. Then he goes out and wins the PGA Championship. Doesn't need the exemption anymore because he automatically qualifies for the next half decade of U.S. Opens and majors, period. He's reset his career clock. I, I see him going to 55 now. I completely do. And he had a red carpet roll to him to go into the CBS booth as soon as he said that was it. And I thought for sure after the U.S. Open, that was it. I speculated Saturday just out of jest that if he held on and won the PGA Championship, that he should just hang it up then and say, hey, U.S. Open, bleep you. I don't need that special exemption. I'm done. I'm taking the trophy and I'm going home. No, 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 no. He's going to play. He's going to play. But this is why Phil Mickelson is the best old man sports performance I've ever seen. Why it's greater than Tom Brady. Why it's greater than LeBron James. Why it's greater than George Foreman at age 45. Because he was in complete control the entire time. He was the best player on the course. George Foreman, when he knocked out Michael Moore for the heavyweight championship in boxing, you know, Coquel, one punch, you can get one punch and you can win. You catch him right. Phil Mickelson, through four days, ground his way to a major championship and, again, took risks to do so and hit all the shots that he needed and got out of all of the trouble that he needed. It's the single greatest old man sports performance in my sports fan lifetime. Simply incredible. And it's not going to be topped by 43-year-old Tom Brady or 36-year-old LeBron James or 45-year-old George Foreman or 46-year-old Jack Nicholas or George Blanda or anything along those lines. This is the best from an old man we've ever seen. I mean, if you want to go with, and I'm not excluding um, women from this list because Serena Williams has played in several Grand Slam uh, finals at age 37, 38, 39. Won one last at age 36. All while pregnant. Like, that is truly incredible. Like, that is in the discussion. Sue Bird, age 40, Seattle Storm, WNBA champion. But, man, what Phil did yesterday, it's elite. It's incredible. And I hope that you fully appreciate it because for me, it's the greatest old person sports performance in my lifetime. Does it give you hope? Does it give you hope? Because you got calves like Phil now. You're, you're an exercise I guy. I can't activate those calves. I do absolutely can. Can you still do it? How old are you? Uh, 36. You're 36. I'm 41. Yeah. Can you still do some of the things? That, what can you still do that you used to be able to do in your prime? Um, run distance. I'm no longer as fast as I used to be. Um, uh, I, I really don't play basketball very well anymore, but I can still run distance. I still have athletic bones left in my body or athletic calves left in my body, but that's about it. But it's at least something I can hang my hat on. But I do appreciate a fellow genetic calf haver like Phil Mickelson showing out for the genetic calf haver community. All us old men, we got to find what we can do, right? Like, yeah. That's it. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what we do. I mean, I'm 41. I don't have much. I'm only good at one thing now, and you can ask my wife about that. What is that? Oh, the laundry. Of course. I'm talking <laughs> about the laundry. I'm still very good at folding laundry. Oh, okay. We can, we can wrap it there. You are listening to Ken Lavica live on ESPN 1063. Shutting out the media. One of the biggest sports stars in the world says... That's what they're going to do. And they'll take the fines. It's going to bring up and open up an entire can of worms and open a Pandora's box. No doubt about it. Who was it? Kaylee, what does it mean? Kaylee Kyrie alone. 
<laughs> it is not Kyrie. Oh, it's it is not Kyrie, not Kyrie. Though, that might be coming if this goes successfully. Uh, he is Coquel, and I am Ken Levick. It's Ken Levick Alive featuring Coquel. We're presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. FAU.edu slash MBA Sport. Write this down. FAU.edu slash MBA Sport. Why? Because... You never know when you might need it. Yeah, I know that you think to yourself, oh, well, that's for, for to get your MBA in sport management. Uh, you, you graduate from college, and then that's when you get it. No, 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 no. I can't tell you how many times there is someone who is just, they're done with their career. They're done with their job. Like, they need a transition. Their mental health is failing. Uh, it's just a really bad situation. A lot of people have been there. I'm not talking about anything isolated. And there are so many people that have dreamed about working in, in sports and being around teams or organizations on the field or off the field maximizing their expertise and didn't know how to actually get to that point and that's where the FAU MBA sport management program comes in professional sports organizations leagues big time college athletics local sports they have sent their students into all of those jobs fau.edu slash mba sport the fau mba sport management program right now fall semester classes you can sign up for them either on campus in boca or remotely that's fau.edu slash mba sport the fau mba sport management program uh yesterday cocal is i am leaving the some breaking news ken because we are a New York show. Go New York, go New no, York. We're, go. we're not a New York show. Zach Wilson threw a deep ball to Keelan Cole in workouts today. Broken news all over Twitter. Just want to let you know, Jets quarterback Zach Wilson completed the deep ball in practice. I just want to correct uh, Coquel what he said and set the record straight. We are not a New York show. Oh. That's what Bart Hahn and <laughs> Alan Hahn and Bart Scott are for. <laughs> that the New York show comes up uh, after us, okay? Dude, they'll be breaking down that pass <laughs> yeah, at one. Trust me, that'll be there. That'll be what they start with, okay? Uh, but I am not a. Uh, I am not uh, putting on a New York show, okay? Oh just, my bad. Sorry, Coquel. Do not do not just, put that into the universe. Just to let you know. I just love when they break when they put up big alerts over passive practice. New Yorkers are welcome, but it's not a New York show. All right, so. Um, let's get to what I saw as I was leaving yesterday. Naomi Osaka is the number one women's tennis player in the world. And she is a consummate badass, both on and off the court. Multiple-time Grand Slam champion. She posted this yesterday on social media. Hope you're all doing well. I'm writing this to say I'm not going to do any press during the French Open. I've often felt that people have no regard for athletes' mental health, and this rings very true whenever I see a press conference or partake in one. We're often sat there and asked questions that we've been asked multiple times before or asked questions that bring doubt into our minds. And I'm just not going to subject myself to people that doubt me. I've watched many clips of athletes breaking down after a loss in the press room, and I know you have as well. I believe the whole situation is kicking a person while they're down, and I don't understand the reasoning behind it. Me not doing press is nothing personal to the tournament, and a couple of journalists have interviewed me since I was young, so I have a friendly relationship. However, if organizations think they can just keep saying, do press or you're going to get fined, and continue to ignore the mental health of the athletes that are just the centerpiece of their cooperation, then I just got to laugh. Anyways, I hope the considerable amount that I get fined for this will go towards a mental health charity. That was from Naomi Osaka. So let's unpack that for a second, okay? She says that from a mental health standpoint, meeting with the media after a game or a match, it's just not good for mental health. It's not good for the athlete, and it sows doubt. 
And so that is why she's not going to do it, at least at the French Open. Should an athlete have to meet with the media after a match or a game? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. You can tweet at us at ESPN West Palm. I am extremely sensitive to the mental health discussion. Uh, I mean, I'm someone, you're, you're not as high strung as I am without having some, some things that, that are going on and have gone on. So I get it. I understand it. But I also have worked a long time in the journalism media spectrum when it comes to sports. Here is the purpose of journalism and reporters when it comes to sports. It is at its core to hold athletes and coaches accountable. It is to have two sides to a story or to an event or to an occurrence and not allow the subject to put out its own narrative or his or her own narrative. That is the point of journalism, to keep them honest. And it sounds really old school and old timey and a little bit lame, but at its core, that's what journalists and media are for. Are some media and some journalists better than others? Absolutely. Sure, there's a lot of the reporters that are the talk to me, talk to me about, talk to me about. Those aren't even questions. They're just demands. Those are bad journalists. Those are bad reporters. It happens just like any other profession. Sure, there's media that just wants you to know on Instagram that they were at the game covering it and they want to do a pose. Okay, but meeting with the media after a game or a match is one of the fundamental necessities in my mind to sports sports is about storytelling it is about putting out narratives it is about a connection from the athlete to the fans and yes social media exists but if one side is telling the story there's a propensity to leave out a whole hell of a lot of information that actually matters and context and things that fans who spend money and put their time and energy into they deserve to know So I understand what Naomi Osaka is saying here, that she doesn't want to subject herself to that. And she says she'll pay the fines from a mental health standpoint. She's not going to meet with the media. And it does beg the fundamental question now, with the rise of social media, with teams that put out their own content and leagues that put out their own content, should athletes be required to meet with the media, meet with reporters after games? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. I think Naomi Osaka is getting this one wrong. I think she's getting this real wrong, and I don't think she actually fully grasps the purpose of media when it comes to sports. Well, it's weird because I look at it a little bit differently than you do, Ken, because you look at it from a journalistic integrity thing, right? I look at it as I enjoy the media postgame from a fandom thing. I like that access. That inside access is cool to me. It makes me enjoy whatever team or sport or player more. It makes me want to spend money on them more because I have that access. So I think that's where she's wrong. Not so much because of the journalistic integrity, but more it hurts the product so her employers then have less fans and the employers should be upset. Just what happens, though, you're a tennis fan. You're an Naomi Osaka fan, okay? And say she double faults and loses a match in the French Open. Obviously, from a fan standpoint, I want to know what happened there. I want her to give me an account of what, um, what took place. Where was her head at? Where did the issue come? Was it with form? 
Was she exhausted? And by her not meeting with the media, you're not going to know that. But especially from a team sports standpoint, a point guard turns it over with two seconds left. Busted play. Or everything's completely disorganized. I want the athlete to tell me what happened there. I put my money towards that. I give my attention to that. You think that they're going to jump on social media after the game or on a team media platform and say, oh, well, it was designed to go into the left corner, but so-and-so missed a screen, or uh, coach, coach didn't do a really good job of, uh, of designing this play. You think that they're going to say that or be candid about that without being pressed about it, at least giving you a semblance of something to help explain what you saw on the floor without actual journalists and independent media covering the teams and getting the access to the athletes and the coaches? No way. Not a chance. Social media is not media. The Players' Tribune is not media. Do you think without those things, though, fans would care less? Because that's what it comes down to, because that's where the dollars actually come in. Will taking away that access... That true access, not just access, but true access of what happened caused fans to care less. To an extent, because I think that it doesn't allow you to tell the full stories of these athletes and their backgrounds and um, uh, or what's happening on a game-to-game basis. I think it would diminish it. And maybe I'm just old-timey. Maybe this is me raised on reading newspapers and raised on insiders. Like that's It's my love. It's my romanticism of journalism. But for me, you cannot have functioning sports, especially how it's become a billion-dollar industry like it has, without people holding athletes and coaches accountable. And that includes Naomi Osaka. That includes individual athletes. Do sports, do athletes, should they have to meet with media and reporters after the game? Or are we past that? Has social media completely taken that over? Is there a need for media and reporters to meet with athletes? Should they be required after the game? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Kyle is in Jupiter. Kyle, you're on ESPN 106.3. Hey, Kyle. Hey, what's going on, guys? Just wanted to say, first and foremost, let us have a Florida show. All right? We need one Florida show. I appreciate <laughs> I'm trying. I'm Thank trying, you. Kyle. Thank you, thank you. All right. And secondly, it's kind of a double-edged sword here, but I think they should meet with the media. But in the same sense, I I feel from my standpoint, I never get, you almost get that, like, presidential speech from them. You know what I mean? It doesn't seem genuine. Yeah. Yeah. But even that, though, even that, though, Kyle, is better than... uh, there being nothing coming of of any substance whatsoever or no one holding anyone accountable. Like, at the very least, you can take solace in the fact the question has been asked or the subject has been broached. If the coach speak you to death, so be it. But at least there's an attempt because you never know when that's going to pay off potentially down the road. Like, look look what's happened with the national political discourse in this country. Because you have cable networks that are either one side or the other. There's no in-between. There's no debate about anything anymore. It's this is what happened, this is the truth, even if it's not the truth, or this is what happened, and this is the truth, even if it's not the truth. And then that creates the misinformation, and people start butting heads, and it becomes extremely toxic like it is. If sports becomes that, uh, that sucks. That really, truly sucks, because I know from a, a pure social standpoint, that sucks right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it, and it just seems like, you know, in a way, it's kind of almost our fault 
for not letting them say what they really want to say, and then they have to be, okay, I have to watch what I'm saying, and I can't yeah. really say yeah. what I want to say and feel. You're right. You know, It's so. a slippery slope because you're right. Like, And, and, and to be quite honest, uh, I mean, part of what Coquel and I do is we dissect what athletes say and we react to it. And you're right. Like, that's sort of... Like it, it's a it's little why, bit on us. It's why they don't want to say it. Yeah, yeah, and so right. it, it, it's, that, it's yeah, go, it, yeah, it's that double-edged sword. Exactly. You know, you know, you want and and, and I, it's, a, it's 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 like it's going to take us for somebody to be able to get up there and say what they want to say and say, okay, don't rip them for it. You know, not and not in general, just you guys, but us here too, because like you said, social media. Then it blows up on social media, and then they become a meme and right. all this other stuff. So they're like, you know what? I'm, I'm just not even going to do it. I'll take the fine. I guess, though, too, Kyle, if I was an athlete, and boy, am I not an athlete. I mean, let's just put that out there right now, okay? But if I was, I would, I would want my side, my answer to a question out there as opposed to me putting out my own narrative and people constantly nitpicking it and picking it apart and it, considering me potentially dishonest about that because I'm not allowing uh, any sort of pushback on what I did on the floor or did on the field and appreciate the call, Kyle. I, I don't I wouldn't want to be in that position because I'd want people to know that I was being accountable for what I did, making millions, what I did, and explaining why what happened took place. Does it matter to you? And she went to mental health and sadly my first thought was, oh, she's a fraud. That's t- like, that's what I thought. Like, that's not a real thing for her. She's just using that as an excuse. And I'm wrong there. 100% wrong. And then I did a little research, and I realized I was 1,000% wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's something she's battled for a long time. Sure. Something I've battled but for a long time. But you did something that a lot of people don't do, and that's actually, like, do the, <laughs> the research about but it. Does, so I wouldn't feel bad. But does that impact your deciding on whether she should or shouldn't talk to the media that she's actually, even at the top of her game, there's been reports of her having extreme sadness and and I don't, I'm not going to diagnose no. depression but just having those mental health issues. I I suppose but also too I think that her her approach to post game interviews or post match interviews is is just a little misguided. I mean she insinuates that uh, the purpose of them is to is to tear down athletes and that's 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 not the case. It's to get information and sometimes tough questions need to be asked when you're at the top of your profession especially she is at the top of her profession you're her manager Mm -hmm. and you know she feels this way you know that if every press conference you got to get her up out of that rut you got to get her out of the the hole she's feeling the darkness that she's sensing that maybe isn't there for everybody else but in her mind it's there we've i think I, i know i've been in that darkness and you don't you don't other people don't see that you're in it but you now know as her manager, are you telling her to do these interviews or telling her not to? Because I think I would tell her not to and say, hey, you're going to take a PR hit, but just just don't do it. Well, that's clearly what they're that's clearly what they're asking you. What would you do? Because that's a tough spot. It's a tough spot. If someone is truly struggling, it's a tough spot to expect them to do something like that for your entertainment. It is tough for me, though, with a, a journalism background to put myself in that spot because I always, always, always want accountability. I mean, here at ESPN West Palm, if we screw up something or we say something stupid and we get asked about it, we've got to hold ourselves accountable. I blame other people. <laughs> well, there are some people around here that do that, but I, I, I mean, I hold myself accountable for that and you should in any profession right like if you screw up on the job it doesn't matter if you're flipping burgers or you're a lawyer or you're a sports talk radio host if someone from the outside is to hold you accountable for your job 
I mean, that, that, that's the expectation, and you need to answer for that. And when it comes to sports media, especially when you're talking about lucrative, massive contracts where there are portions of the population that are invested in that as well from a financial standpoint, I feel like it's only fair to meet with media and to have both sides of the story told. After every game and match. And I am sensitive to Naomi Osaka and the mental health approach she's taking. But it's also wildly unfair to the fans of that sport. And I know we're up against it here, but really quick. Do you think with her not wanting to take part of the media process, if that's her decision, should she she just sit out the tournament? Like, should she say, okay, I can't complete my job duties. Maybe I just shouldn't play. No, because she's going to pay the fines and that's fine. But that doesn't do anything for us. The, the the sports public. Like, that's fine that she's going to pay the fines and she's going to at least pay the, uh, the, the punishment in that spot. But I, I hope she rethinks it. Like, I really, truly do. And maybe I am being irrational here. Maybe I am the one completely in the wrong. But it's setting a dangerous precedent if Naomi Osaka is going to completely neglect media obligations. It's an obligation that she's skipping out on because who's to say that... It, 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 LeBron never did one single radio interview or outside interview in his time in South Florida when he was with the Heat, but he never skipped a media availability. He was there, and he took accountability, whether it was good or whether it was bad. And for that, me as a fan, to see someone get up and take the Heat and then move on, that holds a whole lot more weight than Naomi Osaka flat out skipping that. Should athletes have to meet with the media after games, 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776. Hey, later today, Josh Cohen and the home team, a massive announcement is coming. Really? It has to do with one of the biggest sporting events here locally, Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast. You're going to want to hear it on Josh Cohen and the home team. And what time, about 3.50 or so? Somewhere between 3 and 5. Somewhere between 3 and 5. Perfect. Listen to the whole damn show. You're right, Co. Kelsey. I'll take accountability. I want people to listen to the whole show. Oh, sure. Not it's just the 350. But you got Josh. You got Tina home team. You got, got Dean, Dean Thomas. Come on. But big announcement. Big announcement about the biggest sporting event. Palm Beach County. Treasure Coast. You'll find out between 3 and 5 what it is today on Josh Cohen and the home team. Should athletes have to meet with media after games? Has Naomi Osaka gotten it wrong with her approach to the French Open? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. He's Coquel. I am Ken Lavica, and I'm live on ESPN 106.3. Ken Lavica Live. Best show in Palm Beach County that you can listen to between noon and one. I mean, really, there's no other show between noon and one that I would advise anyone listening to other than Ken Lavica Live featuring Coquel on ESPN 106.3. Coquel, the sports slime ball. I'm going to tell you why in a second because one of his crowning achievements in his sports journalism career was baiting Paul George into a $35,000 fine from the NBA. And that illustrious moment turned seven years old yesterday. It is Ken Levick Alive featuring Coquel here on ESPN 106.3. And we are uh, streaming on the free ESPN app as well. So I want to bring everybody back. To May 26th of 2014, the Eastern Conference Finals. The Big Three, LeBron James, the Miami Heat taking on the Indiana Pacers. The Heat beat the Pacers 102-90. to 
in that game. It was a frustrating game for the Pacers because there was a major foul discrepancy in that game. I mean a major foul and a major free throw discrepancy in that contest. And Coquel happened to be covering the Eastern Conference Finals that night for ESPN 106.3. Paul George in his post-game press conference made, uh, he started it out with, with a mention of the free throw discrepancy. Well, no, the problem is you don't hear it in the clip, but I asked him the first question that got him to answer that first part, and then I came back around afterwards. So, here, so that first question about free throws was me trying to bait him once, and I didn't get him. So here is, and, and just for context, it was a 34-17 to 17 free throw um, discrepancy in this game in favor of the Heat. So here is Paul George's response to foul and free throw discrepancy question number one from Coquel. And a little greeny with Mike and Mike on there. Back okay. Here's Mike and Mike. Oh, was that part of that interview yeah, as well? Yeah, that's actually the siren that says we're ready. <laughs> Disparity in the free throw numbers. They shot twice as many free throws, and they outscored the Pacers from the line by 19. And Paul George was frustrated. You know, looking at the stat sheet, we outplayed him. You know, we, uh... Um, we got to give them credit. I mean, you know, they, they won this game at the free throw line. You know, they really just, you know, were able to get to the line more than we were. But I thought we all played them tonight. Okay. All right. So yesterday, I went on a complete diatribe based on Naomi Osaka missing media availability post-matches at the French Open and said that sports journalism after games, post-game press conferences are vital to accountability for athletes and vital for the fans. But a couple of questions passed after that very, very good professional response from Paul George about the discrepancies on the stat sheet. Then Coquel, like three questions later, swoops in, and I want you to listen closely to this baiting question from journalism slimeball Coquel. In that soundbite to me, if he had left it there, right. he is not suggesting the officiating influenced the outcome of the game. But... Then he did. Do you think them shooting twice as many free throws <laughs> is more to do with them being more aggressive going to the paint or a little bit of home court advantage? Oh, what do you no. think? I mean, you you can't tell me we don't attack the basket as much as they attack the basket. You know, you can't tell me we're not aggressive. Uh, maybe we're too aggressive. <laughs> you know, but I, I feel like we're we're just as aggressive, just just as aggressive as they are attacking the basket and you know uh, making plays at the rim. You know, maybe this was just home cooking. So Coquel led Paul George into a response using, do you think maybe but it was just... then he did. Do you think them shooting twice as many free throws is more to do with them being more aggressive going to the paint or a little bit of home court advantage? You slime ball. He led Paul George. Do you think this was maybe a little bit of home court advantage? And, and, I, sure and, enough, and I challenged him. He was so pissed off. Looking, I challenged like his manhood because I tell him he was mad. I was like, oh, you guys aren't aggressive enough in the paint? He didn't like that. And based off of those comments from Paul George, based on the leading slime ball question from Coquel, that cost Paul George $35,000 from the league office for criticizing the officiating. How dare you call it a slime ball question? I needed to get to the bottom of whether he thought it was a home court advantage or not. <laughs> you asked him it was twice. You knew what you were doing. I did not. First of all, anyone who knows me and my journalism cl- career, I clearly didn't know what I was doing. 
But anyone who knows me as a troll knows I clearly knew what I was doing. You trolled Paul George into a $35,000 fine. Did you offer to pay any of that $35,000 I was fine? a teacher at the time making $35,000 a year. So when that fine hit, I felt bad. Because to me, you're at least 40% at fault for that Paul George response that led to the $35,000 fine from the NBA. I did feel bad at first, but then like my Twitter mentions when Mike and Mike were playing went way up, and I was like, <laughs> that is money well spent, playoff B. You are Appreciate absolutely you. disgusting. And that incredible moment in Coquel's career just turned seven. Happy birthday. I hope everybody has a good Memorial Day weekend. Stay please. safe. Don't drink and drive. Please, 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 please. And please think about what the weekend means, why there's Memorial Day when you're trying to have fun during this weekend as well. We will talk to you on Tuesday. He's Coquel. I'm Ken Lavica, and we've been live on ESPN 106.3. Bye-bye.